Captain. Let's move. ABC Thursdays. Firefighters, we're family. Station 19 is back for its final and hottest season yet. The subject has explosive chemicals. Get down! With fiery romances. You're the love of my life. And Andy is finally in charge. I'm going to be the best damn captain the station has ever seen. Station 19, all new Thursdays, 10, 9 central on ABC and stream on Hulu. Baldry's beat, Keith Baldry, Legislative Bureau Chief for Global News. Morning, Keith. Good morning. Another busy week. It really is a busy week, and it's a busy day, and we got a lot of ground to cover here. Let's start with the uh, the government's density plan here. So this mm-hmm. is the multiplex plan. So you replace these single-family detached homes, put in fourplexes, sixplexes, right? We need more housing. Now, I just spoke to Eric Woodward about it, the mayor of Langley Township, totally against this. Mm-hmm. He thinks it's a provincial overreach. It's trampling all over their planning there in this community. Here's what he said to me a short time ago, then I'll get your thoughts randomly sprinkling six-unit apartment buildings next to single-family homes on dead-end cul-de-sacs. I'm not sure that's a plan. That may be a good soundbite to respond to a housing crisis, but that's not that's not a real plan. Yeah, well, I mean, this is the first what's going to be a number of uh, pushbacks by municipalities who've got, I mean, I think Woodward talked about, they've got this, this subdivision plan that's been in the works for almost a decade. Yes. Um, and this is not going to be an isolated example. So you're going to have some pushback from municipalities. Now, the devil's in the details. We don't have the regulations. We don't have the actual plan from the government that's going to go out to municipalities. So there may be some exemptions. There may be some asterisks, some fine-tuning that placates some of the municipal concerns, but there's bound to be some pushback. I'm still waiting to see what Oak Bay and West Van think about this. Um, Oak Bay is notorious you know, very affluent uh, where you live, actually. Yes. I live next door. Uh, very uh, well known for dragging its heels on, on housing development. It just doesn't like to build things within their confines. So we'll see what happens as a result of this legislation. But there's bound to be some pushback and some major showdowns <laughs> between municipal governments who resent the fact this, as Woodward says, this is a, a, a big over-the-head reach by the government to take away basically zoning powers of, yeah. of municipalities, which yeah. is the, sort of the bread and butter, what some, why some councils exist. So it's, it's interesting how there's, there's divided reaction on it, because I got a ton of emails on this. We had a, t- a full phone board here as soon as, I, as soon as we opened the phone lines a moment ago. And I got an email from a listener who said, and I'm listening to this guy, and he sounds like a typical mayor who's been dragging his heels on housing for the last 15 years in a housing mm-hmm. crisis. You got to build stuff. Like, let's go. Yep. And then on the other side, you know, I took calls from listeners that I live in one of these neighborhoods now. I've moved out here, and now you're telling me they're going to put up a fourplex next door. This isn't why I bought this home. So, Well, you know, you know a, a lot of it is tied to property value. If you own a single-family home and you're, if your lot goes up in, in price and you own it, I don't think you're going to be unhappy about this. But, mm. if again, if you bought a home with the view that the neighborhood was going to look like it was supposed to look like when you first bought it, and it radically changes, there's going to be some some pushback to that. Does the province... I think, I think the pushback is more going to be from councils and mayors than necessary residents. I'm just wondering if the province has the actual jam to do this. Like, if they if, if this if this Langley yeah. Township, for example, digs its heels in and says, no, we're not going to approve yeah. these sixplexes so in this the, neighborhood. The bill provides for a, the minister to override them. Right. Do you think they'd actually do that? Well, that's, that's, that's a great question. We'll yeah. see if th- that power is actually exercised. Yeah. But we're early in the game here, and as, as I say, 
waiting to see the regulations and the fine print on this legislation because we don't have it yet. Okay, let's talk about the uh, the search for this high-risk sex offender here, Randall Hopley, now wanted on a Canada-wide arrest warrant. He walked away from a Vancouver halfway house on Saturday, scheduled to go on trial starting today on two counts of breaching a supervision order. Um, he's got a, a record for sex offenses against children. He is still missing. We already we played the clip earlier this morning of Premier David Eby saying he finds this deeply disturbing. Let me go back just two months ago. So here's Eby on an earlier controversy, right? Remember the guy who was accused as the, the, the Chinatown stabbing mm-hmm. uh, suspect who was released from a psychiatric hospital in Coquitlam? And here is Eby on that one. This is just two months ago. Let's listen. I am so angry. I am white-hot angry that this person was released unaccompanied into the community to have a devastating impact. Okay, so here we go again. Your well, thoughts. again, this is not the David Eby we first encountered when he got into public life. This is, you remember the David Eby, the Civil Liberties Association? Sure. The activist lawyer? Yeah. That's not the David Eby in the office The right guy now. who wrote the book and says, How to Sue the Police? Yeah. yeah. So again, another example, Eby is not that person. At least yeah. doesn't seem to be. He's actually really coming down hard on, on the parole board which is not something a civil liberties lawyer is known for. It's federal. Demanding changes to the bail reform uh, system to yeah. not favor criminals, people who are charged with, again, not the civil liberties position. Yeah. Uh, aggressively, just really taking a much tougher public line when it comes to uh, crime than he, than he did before uh, he came into elected office. Another example that the David Eby in the Premier's office is not the activist David Eby from 15 years ago. Okay, but it, it's all about pointing the finger at Ottawa too, though, right? So, well, I mean, Ottawa how much does blame? Control... Is, how much blame does, should he accept for this for from his own government? Well, I know the parole board is federal. Well, and yeah, so is, but, so but the psychi- the the Coquitlam Psychiatric Hospital is provincial. Well, yeah, that's no the provincial so, uh, system as well. So, I think there's going to be some changes uh, down the road when it comes to some of these uh, regulatory bodies uh, because the um, the outcomes are not what people are looking for. Yeah, and right now EB is at a meeting of uh, Canada's now, well, premiers, Well, as right? we speak, the premiers are having a news conference in Halifax. Yeah. We'll see what issues come out of there. I know that, um, you know, they'll be talking things like demanding the federal government come up with more infrastructure spending, more spending tied to immigration. Yeah. Healthcare's already been dealt with, although it never really goes away. But I wonder if the bail reform and the parole board uh, come up when EB's asked questions. Especially when this bail reform is stuck in the Senate right now, yeah. right? Yeah, and some senators are, are and again, you'd <laughs> be went after the Senate, and he agrees with the position that maybe abolish time to abolish the Senate, which will never happen. You know, Atlantic Canada will never allow that to to occur. But again, uh, these senators are holding it up of uh, and coming to on the side of those who have been repeat offenders and not relaxing, uh, not toughening up the bail provisions that. EB and others are looking for it. It's not just BC. Ontario is looking for this too, and the Senate's holding up. Let's look quickly south of the border here to American <laughs> politics avert, now. Avert your eyes. <laughs> Donald Trump. On the stand. He's testifying today in New York City in, on this. Um, this is like a civil a civil trial that he's facing, right? On fraud, fraud related trade. Yeah, it's to tra- do with his businesses. Yeah. Yeah, and you know, and so I'm just taking a look at So Trump has been on the stand in this uh, trial today, ranting at the judge. And the judge, uh, he's a <laughs> Trump rants against judge. He says that, uh, that, that it's actually the the courts that are committing fraud, 
not him. So sort of classic Trump. Now, have a listen to this. Now, this is former New Jersey Governor Chris Christie running against Trump for the Republican nomination for president. Long way shot. behind. Yeah. Like, Trump is way ahead here. Listen to Christie here. He's going after Trump in his speech. And listen to these pro-Trump hecklers going after him. And he, and he pushes back. Have a listen. What a shock here for Trump. I'm going to fall over dead. Your anger against the truth is reprehensible. The problem is you fear the truth. The problem is you want to shout down any voice that says anything different than what you want to hear. This is not working for him. No, it's not working for him within what's left of the Republican Party. And the other thing, New York Times poll yesterday... Um, has Trump ahead in six key swing seats, Pennsylvania, Ohio, Michigan. Ahead of uh, Biden. Ahead of Biden. Yeah. Now it's, it's, it's close. You know, it's yeah. like 48, 46 percent or 40. Yeah. But some of them are like a five-point gap. Now, you know, Obama was running behind um, in polls, too, and he ended up winning. So we're still a year away. But, again, that's got to be a little troubling um, to see Trump still, despite all that's happening, the number of indictments he's facing, the fact, as you say, he's ranting. All he does these days is rant. He doesn't really make a lot of sense anymore. But that's that constituency that's not going away in the states. And they're not listening to each other. So Christie can say what he wants. Yeah. And he's right. They, those guys, that, that crowd will not listen to a different point of view. But the other side won't listen to, the, to that side as well. So there's no dialogue in the states anymore. There's no debate. But the interesting thing is, though, okay, he Trump has been running ahead in these Republican polls for a long time for the nomination. Like, he, he appears to be on a fast track to win the Republican nomination for president. But then when you start looking at the polls, Trump versus Biden in a general election, and where Trump is ahead in these swing states, that starts to raise, well, could he actually become president again? Could he win an election? Because the economy right now is bad for Biden. This is bad timing for Biden, isn't it? Yeah, it's bad time for Biden. Yeah. Um, the uncertainty created by the international conflict yes. as well is not going to work for him necessarily. Uh, no, there's a lot of things going the wrong way for, for Biden right now. And yeah. again, it's interesting. I heard David Axelrod, who's the uh, former uh, Democrat Obama advisor, now suggesting maybe it's perhaps Biden shouldn't run. Yes. Find an alternative yeah. to Biden. So yeah. that might be in play, although I don't think so, but... You never know. I mean, if he's trailing in the polls like this, uh, in key swing ridings, where basically where the Electoral College will be decided, that's got to be troubling for the Democratic Party. Find a fresh take on a fall getaway to Wilmington, North Carolina and beaches. Enjoy hiking trails in a state park, fresh seafood with a sight of live music and fall festivals galore. Then live it up along the Riverwalk in Wilmington's historic downtown. With three island beaches, Carolina, Curie and Wrightsville and a vibrant downtown, you get the best of the Carolina coast all in one place. Plan your fall getaway at WilmingtonandBeachesVacation.com. This episode is brought to you by JLL. Get an insider view into the world of commercial real estate with JLL's podcast, Trends and Insights, the Future of Commercial Real Estate. Whether you're curious about making cities more sustainable, the evolution of office space, or AI opportunities, this podcast will help keep you a step ahead. Tune in for candid conversations with business leaders about the biggest trends impacting how we live, work, and play. Subscribe to Trends and Insights now at jll.com slash podcast. Baldry's Beat. Let's go right to your phone calls here and speak to Frank in New Westminster. Hey, Frank, go ahead. 
Yeah, so on the housing matter, it seems that, uh, again, people like the NDP and whatnot are the typical woke ones, that they have a great plan, but they, great, they think of something great, but there's no planning behind it. And they expect everybody to uh, well, be able to do something like, okay, you want to increase the intensity of the uh, cities and whatnot, that's fine, but you also have to change the infrastructure first before you do the other thing. It's like the people that know buy electric cars, electrics, and that. You have to upgrade the electrical system, bring and switch over to that. It's, you know, they don't think of the, uh, oh, yes, the infrastructure first, then the people second, so you can accommodate them. The next thing on Trump, frankly, I'm a Canadian. I don't care about the guy. It only seems that you guys in the media use him as a sideshow to distract from our uh, <laughs> glorious leader, P. King boy, Justin. Thank <laughs> okay. Thank well, you. Whoever is, is the government of the United States has an impact on Canada. Yeah. So I don't Whether you like it or not. Whether you like it or not. <laughs> Uh, but but frankly, there's a good point about infrastructure, and you've heard other mayors talk about this before. Yeah. With with higher density comes more pressure on infrastructure, and that's yeah. more pressure on sewers, water pipes, parking, all sorts schools. of schools. Yeah. Um, and those haven't been addressed. And yeah. again, we're waiting for a lot of the details that go with this legislation. You know, the goal is interesting, 130,000 more units over the next 10 years. But then you start fitting those into the, the boundaries of municipalities. And it can have some unintended consequences, and we don't know what they are yet. Mike and Vernon. Hi, Mike. Go ahead. Hey, good morning, gentlemen. Um, Hi. So it was interesting listening to you talking about David Eby and how he doesn't seem to be the same David Eby as who was in charge of the BC Civil Liberties Association. Um, and I think that's something that's kind of common um, amongst uh, people as they age and uh, become more aware and, uh, and maybe perhaps a little more mature in their thoughts about how, how society needs to operate. And, you know, I, I work with a lot of millennials, and it's really interesting talking to them now. You know, they're in their late 30s, moving into their 40s and stuff. And I've worked around them for a number of years, and it's, it's quite interesting to hear now how they, they talk about situations and what's happening um, uh, differently than they did perhaps, you know, Give me an give me an example. Give me an example of how it's changed. Uh, one of them for sure is definitely um, economic uh, uh, factors. Um, you know, talking about the debt and deficit, things like that. How the economy operates, a better understanding with experience of how the economy operates, and also with crime and punishment. Now they they see the damage done by being far too lenient on crime, and uh, and and that as well. So there is a big shift. I mean, I'll be perfectly honest. When I was young, in my 20s, you know, I definitely thought a lot different than I do now mm-hmm. after having, you know, experienced life. I'm towards the end of my working career, but um, that adds a lot of wisdom. And I think that's what we're seeing happening more and more now. And the millennials are a big chunk of the voting okay. population or will be. So thanks, Mike. Yeah. Thank you for well, the call. A lot of millennials now have skin in the game. Yeah, right. They say, because when you're 21 years old, you don't have a mortgage, you don't have a family, you're not really worrying about bills necessarily. Yeah. But people forget millennials now, just that segment of the population, are not 20 year, years old. The top end of the millennial group is 42 or 43 years old now. Yeah. So those people, again, uh, are in a different situation than they were 20 years ago. And if you've got a mortgage and you're trying to raise it, and back to David Eby, noted when he was talking about this parole board, you know that he's the father of a four-year-old. Uh, when you're the father of a, a child, you're going to have probably pretty strong views about child offenders being released from uh, from a halfway house than perhaps you did before fatherhood. 
Rick in Port Moody. Hi, Rick. Go ahead. Good morning, gentlemen. Thanks for taking my call. You know what? It's all well and good that uh, the government has proposed this expansion of 150,000 new homes in in these years. But they're not addressing the affordability issue. Uh, You know, regardless of how many homes they build, the prices are going to remain the same. Housing bill, like per square foot building for for a house is anywhere between $300 to $500 per square foot. So if you build a 2,000 square foot house, which is really just a modest house that we all want to live in, you're looking at a million dollars just to build it. Now, how are we going to afford this? The the problem is they're looking at this through the, the the ultimate goal that everyone wants to achieve. You want to have the you know the single family house with the yard and the lawn, and their approach is to destroy those neighborhoods by allowing expansion. Okay, Rick, really thank, thank you. Th- thanks for the call. Thirty seconds. Yeah, no guarantee housing prices are going to go down as a result of this of this yeah. legislation. There's absolutely no guarantee that's going to happen. I've long thought there's no easy solution as long as you got 150,000 people a year moving into BC every year. The demand for housing is going to stay high, and that means prices are going to stay high.